The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, March 1st. In today's news, Michael Cohen is questioned about whether President Trump is offering pardons to hinder the Russia investigation. Mike Pompeo says the U.S. will go to war if China attacks a Philippine vessel in the South China Sea. And a big blow-up happens inside a private meeting of House Democrats after Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez threatens moderates. But first, the big idea. President Trump last year directed John Kelly, then his chief of staff, to give presidential son-in-law Jared Kushner a top-secret security clearance. Kushner's foreign entanglements had caused anxiety among U.S. intelligence officials. Some foreign officials whose communications were intercepted by U.S. intelligence agencies privately discussed ways they could manipulate Kushner, taking advantage of his complex business arrangements, his family's financial difficulties, and his lack of foreign policy experience. But Kushner, a senior White House advisor, and his wife, Ivanka, convinced the president to overrule the career professionals who normally make these decisions. When Trump instructed Kelly to fix the problem, the former Marine general told colleagues that the decision made him so uncomfortable that he memorialized the president's directive in an internal memo. By May, Kushner had been granted the permanent security clearance he wanted to view top-secret material. Kushner's attorney publicly described the process at the time as routine and said it had gone through normal channels. Kelly did not view this description as accurate and reportedly declined to issue a statement saying that it was. Trump's push to get Kushner's clearance and the chief of staff's concerns about it were first reported by The New York Times last night. The Times also said that then White House counsel Don McGahn, the president's top lawyer, had his own concerns about Kushner's clearance and didn't want him to get it. My Post colleagues Josh Dossie, Sung Min Kim, Shane Harris, Carol Lenning, and Roz Helderman worked their sources and were able to confirm the president's personal intervention in the clearance. The White House officially is declining to comment. This is another proof point of Trump's credibility gap. The president and his daughter have publicly and repeatedly denied that he was in any way involved in securing the clearance. Trump told The Times in a January 31st interview that he never directed Kelly or anyone else to grant a clearance for his son-in-law. He said he didn't even know he had the authority to do so. Ivanka was adamant two weeks ago when ABC News asked her if her father was involved in the process. Absolutely not, she said. We now know that is false. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Congress is not done with Michael Cohen just yet. The president's former lawyer has agreed to come back to Capitol Hill next week. He spent almost eight hours yesterday behind closed doors with members of the House Intelligence Committee, a day after his seven hours of testimony in public before the Oversight Committee. People who were in the room yesterday said one point of particular interest was the subject of pardons, what specifically remains murky. Cohen agreed to come back on March 6th to answer follow-ups. After Cohen, the panel intends to interview more Trump associates, including Trump Organization Chief Financial Officer Alan Weiselberg. Weiselberg's name came up more than 30 times at Wednesday's hearing, as Cohen accused him of participating in schemes to repay hush money, mislead Trump's investors and lenders, and skirt campaign finance laws. Weiselberg has not commented publicly on these allegations. 
Trump's former business associate Felix Sater, meanwhile, who played a key role in the president's efforts to pursue construction of a Trump Tower in Moscow, has agreed to appear before the House Intelligence Committee for a public hearing on March 14th. The House Financial Services Committee announced yesterday that it will look into the Donald J. Trump Foundation, the president's charity, based on Cohen's testimony. And members of the Ways and Means Committee met to discuss the best path forward to obtain Trump's tax returns. Number two, House Democrats exploded in recriminations during a closed-door meeting last night over moderates bucking the party on procedural votes. The battle erupted when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez threatened to put anyone who votes with Republicans, quote, on a list to face primary challenges from their left in 2020. Her office confirms she said it. Now, AOC represents a solidly blue district, but many of the new members who actually delivered the majority for Democrats come from districts that Trump carried in 2016 and where he'll probably win again in 2020. One such freshman, Congresswoman Zochi Torres-Small from New Mexico, reacted sharply and forcefully to Ocasio-Cortez. She stood up during the private meeting to plead with AOC and the angry liberals to respect the political reality of representing a swing district like hers. Then, a visibly frustrated Nancy Pelosi lashed out at two dozen moderates and pressured them to get on board. Her aide said that she said, quote, we are either a team or we're not, and we have to make that decision. This blowup was triggered by a procedural vote on Wednesday. A bill to expand federal background checks for gun purchases had an amendment proposed by Republicans that requires ICE to be notified if an illegal immigrant seeks to purchase a gun. 26 moderates joined all the Republicans to amend the legislation. Pelosi trained her fire on the veteran lawmakers, noting that they hold seats on the most coveted committees and they know better than the freshmen. What is this, she asked. When another lawmaker talked about the peril of persistently voting with Pelosi back in her home district, Pelosi responded that she'll make sure the party committee spends money to help team players and hinted that those who don't go along might get cut off. Number three. Mike Pompeo said overnight that any attack on Philippine aircraft or ships in the South China Sea will trigger a military response from the United States. The Secretary of State flew to Manila after Trump left the summit early with Kim Jong-un in Hanoi. Pompeo's comments are meant as a firm assurance to our longtime ally amid rising Chinese militarization in the contested waters. The longstanding alliance between the Philippines and the U.S., has been questioned by American skeptics inside the administration of Philippine President Rodrigo Duarte. Duarte has been playing footsie with the Chinese as he courts investment from Beijing. This alarms American military and intelligence leaders. The Philippine Defense Secretary recently publicly called for a review of the 1951 Mutual Defense Treaty between Washington and Manila. That agreement guarantees a U.S. military response if the Philippines are attacked. But the defense establishment in the Philippines says the language of the document is too vague, especially as China gets more aggressive in the waters off the Philippine archipelago. Pompeo's statement is meant to assuage these fears. We'll see if it does. Finally, in some good news to end the week, tensions appear to be cooling between India and Pakistan after Pakistan returned the fighter pilot they captured when they shot down his jet earlier this week over Kashmir. So we've got that going for us. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, March 1st. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you on Monday.